0: What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the DreamOctane Finder framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional and in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past. Will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: boys and girls, we want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder framework. Today we're privileged to have Chef. Mark McLean, I'm going to give you just a snapshot of his bio. He, as a premier personal chef in the New Jersey and greater metro area, Mark McLean is constantly asked, what is his style of food? His answer always remains the same. I make awesome food. That's right. (laughs) It always garners some laughter. But Mark stays serious and says, I cook awesome food, period. So let me move out the way. I want to let you know right now, if you're listening in the Niche Finder community, the table is about to be set, y'all. And we're going (laughs) to just chop it up uh, with Chef Mark McLean. And by way of this introduction, we want to make him feel welcome to the Niche Finder framework. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. What's going on?
2: Not too much. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here and delighted that we're able to make this happen and uh you know it's one of those things where if i get to say one one nugget of uh something that sounds good or maybe inspire somebody we've done the right thing so uh, i i thank you for having me here what do you consider to be your niche um i would i would easily say my niche is is my passion for cooking uh but it's not just cooking it's the idea of, of presenting what I see as the elemental um, basis for dining, for serving, for um, the, the idea of, of what food is, um, either in a familial aspect or, or communal or um, entertaining aspect. Uh, I'm fortunate where I joke around a lot and say, you know, the party doesn't, doesn't start till I get there. You know, so we bring that's right. uh, what everybody looks to. It. They they look for the smell. They look for the sights. They look for the taste of, of wonderful food. And, and, and that's, that's my niche. I can easily say that.
1: Why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey?
2: I think that my journey is unique um, simply because of the path that I had to take. I am a career changer. Um, I, I started off after college on the New York Mercantile Exchange, that's the NYMEX, where I was a uh, training to be a trader in the natural gas and heating oil markets. Uh, I trained for I can't remember a year and a half, two years, and you know then I got to be the first. Uh, uh, e-mini as electronic mini markets uh, market maker for eating oil uh kind of you know in this world where i'm on the floor but i'm I'm introducing something new to these guys who trade on the floor and it's, it's not accepted well you know i'm basically trying to change the tide of what trading and what the market is today um at the same time, I, c- I cooked all my life. Uh, I cooked since I was, I don't know, three or four years old. I was, I was hungry. I was, I was dying of hunger. I had three older brothers. I had to make it happen. I had to figure it out. I used to watch my mom um, in the kitchen. I used to watch uh, shows. I used to watch anything I could pick up a little nugget of how to do something, and from that, I would put it in the pocket, and I would learn to cook something from it. Um, that's. It's funny because uh, I got a great story about how I learned to make French toast. You know, I just I just couldn't figure it out. I tried like dipping an egg and milk and putting it in a toaster. That's a fail. It's a bad idea. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Um, I tried just just put it in the broiler. I could not figure out how do you get this this battered like you know very eggy but custardy. Um, batter on this bread and why it's so delicious with syrup. And my mom, who was, was big on a culture for her children, she took us to a play. We went to see, uh, the piano. Um, uh, Charles Dutton, right? Uh, the piano mm. is a, is a fantastic play. And in one scene, uh, the father makes French toast, like just in conversation. He's mixing up mm. a, a batter. He's mixing up a custard. That's what it is. You know, eggs and milk. I don't know if he put cinnamon in there and then he dips it. And everything I took out of that, was how to make French toast. I watched them like, you know, and I don't know if they were doing it for real and put it in a skillet and flip it over. And I was like, holy cow, that's French Got toast. It. You know, mm. I had to, I might've been nine years old. I don't know. And I went home the next day. Ooh, French toast. You know, I made it for myself. I might've made it for my brothers and he might've stole it from me. Uh, point being is that um, <laughs> I, I, I cooked all my life. And at some point my, my job was compromised on the training floor. And I mean, those things happen. And you know, I talked to my boss and he said, look, man, you guys, I catch you writing recipes at work. I catch you writing dinner parties that you're doing for people on the weekend. He goes, why don't you go for it? I support you. You know, and I talked to two or three other people and they said, you know, you, you can do this and, uh, instilling that confidence and for me to literally leave one thing where I had time, I had mentors, I had Experience. I had taken classes after college. I had huge books and handwritten notes of market data and charting, and I had two and three and four years worth of charting the markets by hand. And to put that aside and say, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go cook," you know, that for me was a defining moment uh, because I essentially learned that I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. Um, and you know, that might roll into another question of yours, but. The the idea where I had to actually say to myself, I don't know what I'm doing, so I need to I need to reintroduce myself to all those measures. I need to find mentors, I need to find books, I need to take handwritten notes, and I need mm-hmm. to immerse myself because essentially what I did was I put myself through culinary school with experience and with what I knew. I got a CIA textbook. That's the Cold Institute of America. I got a workbook. Uh, my ex girlfriend's mother, she gave me these. She said, "You know, I haven't laying around, and you can just have them." And I, I read the books. And I did the, the the workbook. I did notes. I did the you know the, the quizzes and stuff like that. Like I was in school. Fortunately, I knew most of this stuff, but I didn't know the French terms. I didn't know Sicile, which is a form of cutting. I didn't know you know how roux had to have a hot liquid and things like that. And once I kind of started filling those gaps, my cooking started going off It started going higher and higher. And then I started getting involved in different restaurants in New Jersey and in New York. I would meet somebody in a restaurant supply store and he would say, well, oh, just come by. And I said, well, let me can we come to your kitchen at work. And I started staging, just going places and cooking for free, um, basically just soaking up information to the point where some restaurants wouldn't let me in anymore if I wasn't going to get on the books and work because they knew that I was learning so much. And some restaurants were just using me. They said, come in and make our specials for the week. You know, and I was happy to because I, I was learning and I was in an environment. And it was just, it was, my mind was blown by seeing like how these things go from, whether it be uh, whole pieces of fruits or vegetables or a whole pieces of fish and they get delivered and broken down and cooked and then sent out to a table. Um, so that was all a big circle for me, where I actually got all the stuff I used to have Mentors, experience, books, things to look back on and goals And mm. because of that, you know, I basically, I didn't go to culinary school I put myself through with experience and with time And it, it, it worked out, I think <laughs> You know, it, mm. it, led, and it also led to me being able to discern what is my style of cooking um Which is interesting because you know I, I used to like go on a lot of Food Network interviews and I thought getting on TV was like the me the upper echelon of what I would do. And they would ask you and they said, "Well, what is your style of cooking? Or what is your culinary point of view?" And I look back now and I didn't have a culinary point of view. I didn't have enough experience to answer that. And they, they probably knew this, so I would write some BS. Who knows what it was? Uh, but the idea was I couldn't define what was culinary for me and the only thing that gives you that point of view that definition is for you to immerse yourself in and then figure out like what is food to you what is ingredients what is feeding people what is your palate what are the base points of it what is salt you know, what is acid what are the points that make up a good meal and how is it done and i can answer that question i had no idea before i was i was Racking my mind, and I, every show I got to the final line for, I was like, "Well, I'm not getting picked." And I don't know if I wouldn't be because of that. I just know that I didn't have a culinary point of view, and mm. it's like anything else. And, and now I do, you know. Uh, Let so, me ask you
1: this: How what external struggles were you were you dealing with when you at the start of this journey?
2: Um, the, I think the biggest external struggle is what anybody who goes out on their own or decides to to follow a a dream or a passion what they go through and is that did i make the right decision you know i i i had what is a little bit of money for my trading career and i immediately like started dumping that into what i could use and how i could sustain my my life and uh, I i i i had a business background so me creating a brand wasn't a big deal for me you know i i got some art i got I got a logo, you know, I, I, I kind of got a designation and I got to hey, you guys like this. What do you think it is? You know, and then you know, I started, you know, tapping into friends who had an idea of, of how to do these things. And they started helping me. But at any given point, I, I was new. I, I didn't I had no no name to myself. Nobody had a reason to hire me. I, I didn't. It doesn't matter how well I cooked, how well I didn't cook. My struggle was, did I make the right decision? Because at Mm -hmm. some point I'd be sitting there by myself in a dark room with recipes or whatever have you, and I'm not booked and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not working or somebody might turn me down for a job. And at that point, what I would do is I would go through. A stack of business cards that I might have picked up on any of my networking events or travels, and I would type and I would type to them. I say, "Hey, this is Mark from Remarkable Zine," and I, "Hey, this is so and so," and I reach out and say, "We met so and so. It was good to meet you." And just in case you ever need someone, and I would get one reply, and one reply would give me enough confidence to to go over that hump of them make the right decision and to hopefully move on to the next step where I might have a client, or I might be booked. Um, if if you don't have a client, you know you could be the most awesome chef, you could be the most awesome painter, you could be the most awesome carpenter. If you don't have a client, it's the same thing as a large tree falling in the woods. You know, it it makes a really loud noise and nobody hears it. So. I didn't need a client. I needed clarification that somebody recognized me for what I did for networking. And from there, I could take that little bit and I could run with it. And hopefully I built a network here and here and here once somebody gave me one chance. And that's what I, I struggled with most
1: and you know what's so interesting about what you're saying and i appreciate you giving voice to that is there is there is this tipping point that happens right like the struggle is almost identical for those who give up and those who make it but the question is like what do you do to get over that hurdle what do you do to get to the top of the mountain and know that you deserve to be there because you earned this thing um so at the start, we heard about the external struggles, but what type of roadblocks did you come up against at the start of your journey?
2: Um, I think the roadblocks I had were, were, were two apart, maybe three part. Uh, there was road, there was roadblocks within, within the business side. Um, and that means that I, I didn't exactly know how to run a business. So what I was doing was learning, now I worked for a small business, I worked for businesses on a trading floor, but uh, you know, our, our job was to go downstairs and make money every day. You trade the market, you make money, and then you come back upstairs. You have a certain time to do that. Every business has a function every day. Let's just take it from the simplest business, a store that sells, Walgreens, CVS, they have a job to sell, Things that are at convenience at a price every day. They might give up 24 hours, but every day they sell. So my job was to figure out how do I monetize what I wanted to do. And in a way that made sense for me to say, guys, I've quit my job on Wall Street and I'm a chef. Right? Um, so for me that had to go forth with learning to run a business, that goes from marketing, that goes from defining myself and what I can do, that goes from me having an elevator pitch, 30 seconds, 28 seconds, what do you do, and how do you do it, why do you do it well, and it's why does somebody be interested in using it? Um, I, I mean, let, let's just lay it out there, I didn't have a business plan. And, you know, I had a mentor, a guy who said, listen, I'll support you in anything you do. Older guy used to slap me in my head and said, you can do this. But you know what? We got to get you to the point where you are what's you. People want you and people need you. And then they'll call you over and over again. And if not, you're booked. And, you know, you're going to be that necessity. He said, but you don't have a business plan until you write a business plan. I can't help you, you know. So. I I went crazy I went in uh, to Barnes and Nobles And I would go and sit there By myself And I got this book Called uh, uh, The Real Business Plan It's by Rhonda I can't remember her last name Right now I can look it up and tell you And I went through that book And I followed Every little part And I wrote a 23 page business plan for a personal chef business obviously way too long it could have been a page and a half but i answered the different parts what is your market how are you going to market yourself why is there a need are your competitors uh what what is your process what are your goals three years out seven years out ten years out and my um my then girlfriend who's not my wife, says to me, you know, since you've been writing this business plan, you went from saying, I'm trying to start a business to say, I've started a business. You went to your definition of what you're doing has changed where you can tell me exactly you have a better presence of saying what you're going to do and you were executing it. And now anybody who asks me about a business, I say, do you have a business plan? And if they don't, I recommend them the same book. I actually used to loan it out until somebody stole it from me. And I, <laughs> said, I say to them, you know, when you have that business plan, come back and talk to me. Because what you have is uh, you have a desire and you have an idea, but you don't have any map how to execute. And until you create a map and how to execute that, you're going to be in waddle land. You know, and you're going to be kind of just you know walking around and saying, "Well, I can do this, or I might be able to do that," instead of creating a distinct map for yourself. That was an internal struggle for me because I learned how to create and run a business, in that instance. Um, and then I realized, I, I at some point I looked around and I said, "Wow, everything's a, a, a business." You know, this box of cereal, this computer, you know, this platform we're on. And they all have a structure to it. So when I got that together, it allowed me to, um, to present myself better, to understand what my goals were, to, to actually put things and speak them in the air. And you know what? Out of nowhere, it would happen. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's funny. It's funny as hell. I can, I can bring up my business plan right now, give you a point that I wrote probably somewhere circa 2012 and it's happened. It's happened today, where it's happened two years ago, because I don't know, I spoke in resistance, I wrote it down, I don't know what it is. That for me was an internal struggle, um, and overcoming it was grandiose, because you could see the turn, and you can see a fire that I had, and the idea that I was more confident in what I was doing and huh. I think that's a big deal and that applies to any business that does not apply to cooking or just creativity that applies to somebody who was turning rocks into diamonds
1: mm. Love so. it. Muhammad Ali said the man who views the world at 50 the same as he did at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life <laughs> I love listening to your journey because there's so many layers to it but each layer has this level of Evolution the progress, of you know, achievement, adversity, and triumph I think is beautiful. This is where I see, uh, kind of makes up your niche. It's just getting a taste. This is the sample cup or sample plate that you get <laughs> in your terms that you're giving around. But well, what I want to get to now, what I believe to be the meat of the matter and the niche finder framework is what I believe is your niche, right? And so I see your niche as being made up of five different components. The first is the things that you do that you feel purposeful or feel purposeful to you. The second are the things that you're passionate about. The third are the patterns. These are the things that you do naturally well. The fourth are proficiencies. This is what you've learned to do well over time. And then lastly, problem solving. The things that you do that people come to you to solve in a unique way. So we go up to the top. Tell me about your passions.
2: What do you do that when you do it, you feel ignited? That's uh, those, that's gonna be two parts. One that's cooking. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I say that because, you know, at times I would go cook and time could go past. It wouldn't feel like work. It, it's not a big deal. It's easy. It's fun. It, it's, it's not, it's not like, oh, I gotta go and chop 20 onions. It literally is, well, let me go create. Let me go into a space where I can create and that feels good. Uh, my next interest in is now creating brands from 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 my culinary aspect uh, and I, I say that now with sort of more of my, my recent uh, I think kind of successes and then with my other business I, I love creating a brand because I literally write a logo on a table or on my computer. And then I, I give it to a designer and I throw it in the air and I put a breath behind it and I say, you know what, we could rock that. Um, so that's that's one of my newest passions. Uh, mm. Obviously I did it 10 years ago when I created a Remarkable Museum, but I have this confidence now that I can go in and look at the space, almost like an architect goes into a blank canvas and looks at says, let's do that. And I can go into it and I say, we can create something that works here if I have the right market. And I can sell the right food. So, uh, definitely cooking and definitely, you know, creating a brand off, off of what is that, the cooking that goes along with that.
1: Mm. What do you
2: do that feels purposeful? Um, one thing that I do that feels purposeful is I share my talents with, with the people who I work with. Um, and, and notice I didn't, I didn't say employees uh, I didn't say employees because for some reason you know my I had a boss another mentor of mine and he he always says you know he tell people oh, we, we work together you know and I was like no you pay me I work for you you know but like it was always this it was almost this way where he was not trying to be condescending he would never like put himself above me and it always was like you know what we're always learning from each other or you can learn from me or and yes he it was a pecking order of course um, and I say that about the people who I work with who work for me because I, I just want them to understand that as they are, as we are all working together, whether we are making a hamburger, whether we're making a flaming yong, whether we are watching somebody get married, uh, there are aspects that we're learning from each other. And for me, that is important. I, I, I have the, I have the the utmost respect for the people I work with and I I am able to take a couple of guys who were just kinda on the streets or maybe, you know, needed a job and like, you know, to kind of see the passion they have and learning what fennel is and, and breaking down um three different types of onions and understanding the, the French terms of sauces. You know, I, I get to watch that and that's 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 meaningful for me. Um mm. I literally can give purpose to somebody who literally says to me, eh, I need a job. I don't really know what I I cook because I can, you know, and I say, no, you, you are, you are great at this. So, you know, I, I, I literally had one of my guys send me, he said, you know, I never really cared this much because, um, it wasn't that special to me until I, I worked for you. And then to see the people that we cook for and to understand that they respect us changes everything. That's meaningful for me because I've, but whilst working together, I have enabled him to feel better about himself and understand that he has a talent and a gift, and he can use that. Mm. I, I think that's important.
1: Uh, what do you do naturally well? These are these are your patterns. What do you consider to be your patterns?
2: Um, do I do naturally well? Uh, I, I price naturally well, and and using the pricing i can turn an aspect into what we're selling into something profitable and that's from the high end till low end and the reason i mention this is because uh i i have to i i, I take a Uh, a personal experience endurance I take a personal uh, point to to shop for all the food that we use right now I don't always have to go point everything out but the reason I do that is because I know that if I get a halibut at a certain price and then I'm able to turn that halibut into a dish I'm basically using the idea that I made markets and I understand the market and how I'm going to sell something to the top of the market I do that naturally well Um, I, I talk about food naturally well. Um, and that's important because I've gone to a lot of events and the the host will say, Hey, hey, get up and tell my clients, get up and tell my clients what they're eating. So what I am able to do is kind of extend my passion that's on the plate and tell people about it and literally give them the, the, the innermost concepts of why something works and tell them how it's going to hit their palate and it it elevates the dishes so much um it's almost like you you eat with your eyes and you smell and then you taste but when somebody describes something to you in a way um kind of like they do it adds another aspect and the funny part about that is like one of the guys i was telling you about i I literally make them go and talk to people they could be the biggest stuttering they could have an issue with public speaking i want them to Understand that people admonish them, and when they see that they've cooked this, and they can explain it to people, they'll feel better about themselves, and people will look at them. Um, so I, I, I do that well. Um, obviously, it's it's the cooking aspect, but in my position, I, I don't I don't get to cook that much anymore. Hmm. Uh, but the guys I work with, they do a lot of the cooking, and I have to take more of a leadership role. And I'm not going to say I've done that well. Uh, that probably uh, leads Into your next question which was a learning Process so mm. um,
1: I love it y- Yeah I love it so, so a little bit of the background That we didn't touch on but just from even Speaking to you I know that Your business has over the oh, Over 10 years now Right you've had it uh, or close to It's not quite 10 years but Close to, close to it but I've I've, I've seen how just from what you've shared, how you've now opened up a couple of different sites. Um, you now have uh, seen like you have taken this rinse and repeat model that has worked for you and is working for you even more in other ar- areas. What would you consider to be your proficiency that's allowing or affording you this opportunity to do this model?
2: Um, I don't want you to give me too much credit. I, I we, we don't have... Too many operations, uh, but we we do have a lot in the works. Um, Got gotcha. it. You know, uh, but not to be facetious, you know, I, I do have a couple of different in nuances, which are linear and just producing food and experiences for people. Um, to to make that happen, I, I would say, you know, to make that happen is. Uh, probably is some of the things I've learned from from running a business, and I think what's important is that, like you know, people have to want to work for you, work with you. They have to want to buy into your process. Some people get a job and they say, "I'll do this job," and this it's called shoemaking. Go there to do a job, this and that, and they move on. And uh, I don't know. I, I you know, I I literally tell my guys, I say, "Listen, you know, if you're not going to respect." The, the art that we're putting forward, the passion that we're trying to put in, then you're, you're not going to be in a good fit because it may seem to you, um, like we're just making a, I keep saying a hamburger. It's because of, I have a fantastic, uh, hamburger restaurant called The Burgerly. We're not just making a, a hamburger or a cheeseburger. We're, we're literally creating experience for somebody. And I think that's, that's different mindset. It, it might, it might instigate the smallest change. Somebody might say, holy cow, I need to just make this look amazing. I tell my guys, I say, when you make something look better than me, when it hits the pass or it goes in front of a client, I get jealous. And I want you guys to keep that passion because that's what we keep doing. Uh So what, what did I? I don't know what I did, uh, you know, to to allow it to happen. I, I think that what I try to do though is literally create an environment that people want to buy into what I'm more reproducing and to work with me. And I, I think there's a few things that I need to do that. I think that you have to be respectful uh, to the people who you work, who work for you. I think that you have to understand that everybody's at different stages in their life and, you know, kind of just really admonish them and how you can help them. Um, I got a, I got a dishwasher who can use a knife like a, uh, you know, he can, he can use a knife better than Emerald. And he's, mm-hmm. he went from busing suds to, to prepping food. And, you know, he's developed life skills. And if he doesn't work for me a day going forward, he has life skills where he can walk into any restaurant and, Break down and dive, or he can. He knows how to make an arugula salad. You know, and those little things I think matter a lot, um, and that that means that I've developed a character and help someone. Hmm. I think I think that learning to do that is very important to me, and was not easy, and that's what I admonish a lot, and I, hmm. and I don't keep for granted.
1: I love the quote that you just mentioned when you when you were talking just a while ago. You 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 mentioned it might instigate the smallest change I love that that's that's a definitely a nugget of truth Uh, what do you do that people come to you in a unique way in order to solve what problem solving techniques do you find that makes up your niche
2: um I literally tell people that we can go into any space and we can cater a party so you can give me a blank canvas or a room you can give me a uh, store and we're working out of a fitting room. And what I can do is develop a menu to feed a number of people with the cooking apparatus I have and make sure that it is absolutely presented fantastically. So uh, I mentioned the store. I think one day we did a uh, podcast for, for somebody I can't even remember where they are right now, but it was in a uh, in New York city on fifth Avenue. And we were literally in the fitting room serving 300 people appetizers. But, Everything that hit the floor, we came out the fitting room like a woman trying on a dress with just food. Bam, and people were like, how are you guys doing this? Um. Mm. So that's a, that's a problem solving aspect because, you know, some people come to me and they say, well, you know, we have the problem where our kitchen is small. And I say, well, at least you have a kitchen, you know, um, that, that's a problem solving aspect that I like to, uh, I like to think I do. I also can feed the pickiest eaters uh, I have people that say, I don't eat this and, you know, I don't, and this is that and salmon is fishy and a whole bunch of other probably false statements. And my job is to, is to understand that everybody should have the chance to eat awesome food. So uh, I, I take on the challenge and I I admonish it because if I'm feeding people and I'm feeding them the same way and I can't adapt to changes, then uh, I'm hindering my growth. And number two, I am not I am not the purveyor of awesome food. I'm just making an awesome product and I'm not adjusting at all. You know? Mm. Let's let's be serious about all the things that people have these days. Uh, gluten allergies, you got pescatarians you got vegetarians, you got flexitarians you got vegans, you got all sorts of things Um in the end everybody wants to feel like there's something for them mm. and uh, you, you know, I, I like that ch- I love that challenge, I, give them to me I will give them the best meal of their life seven courses if you want know, you know? Mm. Uh, I'm going to charge you for it but I'm going to get it done
1: I love it You know I was talking to you It almost reminds me of uh, I saw this YouTube video Of a guy who trains Wide receivers How to run And it's almost like choreographed I had no idea this type of training went into foot movement and he Mm -hmm. would you know like left right left right and then turn to the side left right left right and then jump and then you know and it was almost as if they were river dancing that's how their feet were Mm -hmm. moving as they Mm -hmm. were on this football field but the just the thought process behind it the way he was telling people to maneuver in preparation for in practice but in preparation for the real thing I kind of get the same sense from you. The way you talk about food, it's almost as if, like all these many moments that you've gone through, is like you were taking left, right, left, right to the you know to the one side and, and turn it around and spin it and jumping over obstacles. But it was all something leading towards these big, big moments that you now have. And, and and I and I appreciate your humility of it, but you were still in this in this pursuit of delivering or creating awesome food. I believe there was this awesome thing that was happening inside of you or with you. It's like this distillation process that was happening inside of you. Uh, not knowing how to make French toast to doing a filet mignon, right? <laughs> and it's just fascinating to
2: me. The, the, the idea that you said the distillation process is, is actually hilarious and super smart because you know the process of making a, a good drink starts with the process of making a good base alcohol. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think you're completely true. You're completely right, Uh and this has all been experience-based. I, I literally, I literally had the opportunity to cook for uh, a whole bunch of professional athletes, probably the, the starting five on one team, and this wasn't basketball; uh, it was hockey. And the one thing that these guys, you know, they told me they do. They said, "Listen, the one guy he says, you know, what? in off season, all I do is research ways that I will get." Another three years out of my contract. He goes, I will eat like garbage. I will eat whatever I need so I can get another year and I can excel and I can excel. And I said, I looked at him, I said, listen, man, you don't have to eat garbage at all. I said, I can take your diet and make it amazing. He says, no way. I said, I'm telling you, I can Right. And he gave me all these restrictions. I don't eat. He goes, I basically eat broccoli and I eat Z and I eat something else and I need to eat a keto diet. This was back in the 2000 and. I want to say 13 maybe maybe 14 and you know i just started sneaking things in on him Um, asparagus uh fennel salads you know little things that you know he might want to taste and he didn't run back and say listen man that was amazing he, his wife would be like when sheep like he ate everything last night and she would always say this and not you know and finally the guy the day came when he was like listen I told the, the locker room about you and other guys were like oh you've been holding out for a year and he's like no I've been holding out but like you know I didn't know if he could take on more people so the reason I tell this story and the other stories um about my catering events because I literally say to a client, I say, listen, you know, we have a, a style that we cook. We take whatever you like and we put a spin on it, but we'll make whatever you want. You can, as long as I can source it, if it's a, a, a goose from Canada, if it's, um, I had one client, he was hunting in Montana and he flew an elk. I said, you know, we will make it um, and we're going to put our spin on it. What I was able to do from all these people telling me things they want to do is just literally create a large glossary. Of stuff, and then put it in my pocket that I've cooked it before. And this, my mind is limited, our mind is limited until somebody gives you a little snap point. And then they say, Well, do this. And I say, Holy cow, I can do that, or I can do this. So, you know, after six or seven years of people telling me what they want to eat and me delivering it back to them in this awesome way, I literally had so many more ideas than if I was just sitting down trying to cook something. So if you combine that with like my athletes with these limited diets who weren't limited, they just needed uh, technique and process. And then all these catered events I did, I, I was able to probably step way out of my comfort zone and develop a, a, a glossary, a a portfolio of food that is not fair because I wasn't in a restaurant cooking one thing. I was cooking for anybody who would hire me and my challenge was that i'll make it amazing and as long as i didn't lose that aspect i'm great i'm golden and i never lost that aspect i lost other ways i might have been late or i might have been down a server or i might have ordered the wrong type of china but I never lost the fact that the food wasn't amazing and a lot of times it saved me you know and, and that's a, I think that goes along with what you're saying
1: I love it, man. I love it as an anchoring point, too. And that's going to bring us to our very last section, our very last point that we have here. This is going to be your secret, some of which I think you kind of dropped, kind of fell out of your pocket as you were, as you were, as we were walking on this journey. Right. To mm-hmm. learning your to learning the different aspects of how you got to where you are. But now I want you to not only speak to our niche founder community, but to speak to your younger self. Like, what would you tell your younger self on the floor, the trading floor at that point? You haven't started the business. You probably just started taking notes on these different menu items that you were being inspired to write on the on the floor. What would you tell your younger self at that point in time to get them from where they are then to where you are today? No, that's a
2: that's a crazy question, because. Um, to look back, you know, I had a certain amount of confidence and I would never want my younger self to lose that confidence. I would just want to inspire myself to say, listen, you got to The lumps are going to come like you're going to get, you're going to get hit in the face and it's not going to be, it's going to be an ego, ego hit. It's going to be that. Did I do the right thing? It's going to be, um, how can I persevere or you know how am I gonna 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 pay this this note on on my um, on my my vehicle I purchased for my for my business? I, I would I would literally say like resilience is everything. Um, I don't know how many times I might have cried with a hood on. I, I don't know how many times I might have, you know, but there were times when I first of all, I fired myself a few times. I was like, "All right, you're done here. You know what I mean? I usually hire myself back like the next day or two, you know, but I literally, <laughs> literally fired myself. I literally said, you know what? You're better than this. And if you're not going to be better, then you're done. You know, and it's kind of odd because I'm talking to myself. I'm firing <laughs> myself. You know, i love it. a little nutty, right? Um But that all goes with, with the resilience, you know, number two, two yeah. thing. Number second thing I would say is uh, you got to call your mentors more. Like there's nothing better than a guy that says to you, here's my phone number, you call me when you need me. And what he's saying is that like, first of all, time is everything. So if somebody says they'll they'll talk to you or they'll lend you an ear or they'll give you advice and they have been through the they have been through the the gamut, they've been through the S H I T S, like you have to take them for what they're saying and you have to use it. You know, one mentor for me. Older guy, you know, did really well in construction, you know, but just a fantastic guy. He broke down what is business for me. He said there's three aspects and i might not going to recount them all, but I know him, you know, like in my heart. You know what I mean? He says there's the marketing, there's the pricing and there's the product. That's what it is, right? He goes, not many people have all three, right? He goes, he goes, some people know how to price, right? some people know how to market how to sell it and some people know how to make the product he goes you have all three he goes and that's scary and when you know how to ball that up and harness it you'll be unstoppable right Mm. um he had we had some long talks he would take me to awesome restaurants he says i want you to meet this guy i want you to meet this guy and to this day he says you have my number call me i would go back and tell my younger self all those numbers you have you gotta call these guys more because when you're when you got the hood on mm. in the basement and you're about to cry these guys uh, they're, gonna, they're gonna boost you up um, I mm. cannot express the importance of mentorship more than anything else and really, I would only tell my young self to make sure you have even either more mentors or you reach out to them more because they're gonna get you through things and that's experience mm. and that's all that is you have people willing to bestow their experience on you And I would be amiss if I didn't do the same thing to a young chef or somebody these days or somebody in business and even, you know, through this podcast. So I think that's I'm sorry to be so long winded, but that's what I would tell myself
1: i love it man i want to go off script for one quick second because it was just this weekend that we went to go see clyde a it's a broadway play my wife and i went to go see it i don't know if you ever if you heard it or saw it but if you haven't you would actually love this play you know why because it's about a food uh restaurant and um the long and short of it is um uh these these are people who were incarcerated and Claude was a owner of this restaurant who gave these people second chances. She had one, she was giving them second chances. The only difference with this particular group that she had is she had a, one guy who was there and he treated food as not only as a, he didn't p- treated that place as more than someplace that he worked he treated it as food as his release of being able to tap into a deeper form of himself and so when she would tell him to make a sandwich he was trying to make the best sandwich that he possibly could make he would go to the grocery store pick out the food and he would constantly challenge himself mm-hmm. and one thing that i hear about what you're saying and he made this point at the very end they said is it possible To make a perfect sandwich or to make that perfect sandwich. And the entire show, they've been talking about this, right? Like making, giving different recipes and stuff. And he says, I don't know, I, I get torn. He says, I think it's possible. But then again, I think that that may just develop in me another longing. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so even my question to you is, when you find that you have gotten to the place where you are in the environment, you're working for the clients and you're making the awesome food. Do you really think that achieving awesomeness is really possible without developing
2: some other longing? Absolutely not, I think that you are kind of going to constantly, I think I said this earlier, you literally put it in the pocket. You literally mm-hmm. take that experience and you, you put it in the pocket because you've done it. um this is what I liken it to and it might be wrong, but I, I think this will, will transverse well. It's almost like when a, a NFL player, um, he, he wins a Super Bowl and then he sits there and he says, what next? Mm-hmm. Like, you know is this this is what i've been striving for so so what's next i did it you know and like this literally like a lloyd banks on it's the hunger for more and I, I i would say in my realm in my field there's there's always more now there's complacency, there's um what makes sense um there's obviously a, a work you know life aspect which you have to admonish you have to uh, you have to respect but I don't think that there's there's a point where the perfect sandwich is going to exist because it's just going to be more it's funny as mm. funny as hell like you know I have to be stopped when making dishes because I'll keep going <laughs> my guys are executing in this and I look at the menu I say guys I don't know who wrote that you know and it'll be me and like it'll like, add layer upon layer and I got reasons for them I got crunch I got acid I got salt I got more fat I got a fat with truffle in it I got a fat with so and so I got another salt packed back in with some pepper and then I got to bring everything down and finish it with a coolie like you know there are so many different aspects but I think if you balance that out with the fact that one you're always learning and and, and two you have to you have to admire your your accomplishments There's smooth sailing ahead you're not going to continuously you know doubt that you can't do more and then feel bad about what you've done mm-hmm. you know and you know I, I step back all the time because I, I'll look at the future and I'll be like sheesh I got a long way to go mm-hmm. but that means I didn't respect the past you know I, I didn't respect when I was cooking out of my apartment um and I had boxes of squash and broccoli on the on the balcony because it was cold outside and I didn't have any refrigeration to hold all that stuff you know mm. and I, I gotta respect that when my friend was going to London for business and he said listen take the bottom of one of my apartments and build yourself a kitchen you know and I didn't respect some other parts but now that I do I uh I, I keep that and I put it in the pocket and I use that going forward I think that's the answer
1: Mm. how do you know when it's time to stay focused versus saying giving up on your goals
2: um i think that's in the business plan i think i think that if your business plan makes sense then you got to push forward when you're writing your business plan and you you, you answer the question, that is there a market? And who are my competitors? You literally tell yourself if you're doing the right thing or not. You'll know right away if you're trying to make a card and you, you, you your competitors Hallmark and, and Papyrus. And you're saying, man, my cards ain't as good as them. I should quit. But if mm. your business plan makes sense and you've answered those questions, persevere. Somebody will find it. It doesn't have to be, you know, somebody grandiose, but if you persevere, somebody's going to find what you're doing. Somebody's going to admire it. And somebody's going to pay you for it. That's a client. If you make that client happy, that client, knows three people, one person, that's one third of that is going to hire you because they heard the next person did, or they're going to have a need. So you're feeling your need, what you identified, you're reaching your market and then you are moving forward. And if your price is well, you're good to go. It might take longer than you thought, but I mean, who are you to put a time frame on greatness? Mm.
1: I love it. You know, I I know you pride yourself on making awesome food. Well, I just want to stick another thing, a feather in your cap or another item in your pocket. You just had an awesome interview, sir. And I just want to put that put that one in your pocket. (laughs) I, I appreciate that. and I appreciate talking to you. Yes, sir. If someone wanted to get into contact with you, how exactly would they go about doing that? Guys, I am easy
2: to find. Uh it's very simple. Remarkable cuisine is my business that leads you to links, which is all over the web about us. Uh Mark McClean has Chef Mark McClean is easily Googleable. Uh my restaurant, the Burglary in Newark PA, has my name and has our brand all over it. All those go back and go in a circle for awesome food. You know, I'm easy to find that. Send me a message on Instagram, send me a message on the website, uh, send me a message. We can talk about this all day long. I love helping. Lovely, lovely, lovely. So this is um
1: Mark mclean chef mark mclean and as you heard you know he has so much to share definitely someone you want to connect with and definitely i would say you know i met this i met this brother at a uh, a dinner party a gathering with a couple of uh um old business uh friends of ours and the brother had me eating man it just i stayed i felt like i walked in there hungry and I, and in the midst of it i somehow t- transformed it to a food processor because i kept <laughs> going back for more so i appreciate you um to So you got all the links for how you're going to get in contact with them. If you want to learn more about what we're doing, you can go on to launchmyniche.org. That's launchmyniche.org. And you can learn some of the things that we have in store uh, for you. Anyone who's looking to discover, develop or deliver their niche. If you're a coach, consultant or someone who is a counselor and you want to move your niche online, we can help get you there, save you time and show you three of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to move their niche online. Not only will we describe it to you, but we'll also give you two to help it not become part of your journey. So to the Nishwana community, thank you for tuning in today. We look forward to having the very next guest who can talk about their journey and help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for tuning in. And Mark, thank you again for being part of this program.
2: Fantastic. Thank you for having me.